welcome to the Text and Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with your co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to talk to you about Genesis chapter 4. Yep, we are in the scroll of Bereshit, or Genesis, and we're up to chapter 4, so here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Verse 1. The person experientially knew his woman, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, purchase. And she said, I have bought a man from Yahweh. Again, she gave birth to his brother, Hevel, vapor. Hevel became a shepherd of flocks and Cain worked the ground. At the boundary of days, Cain brought an appeasing gift to Yahweh from the fruit of the ground. Hevel presented also from the firstborn of his flock and their fat. Yahweh looked toward Havel and his appeasing gift and did not look toward Cain and his appeasing gift. Cain was furious and his face fell. Yahweh said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not rise? If you do not do well, sin crouches at the opening and stretches out toward you. You must rule it. Cain spoke to Havel, his brother. While they were in the field, Cain rose up toward Havel, his brother, and killed him. Yahweh said to Cain, Where is Havel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I the guardian of my brother? He said, What have you done? The voice of the blood of your brother howls to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground that tore open its mouth to take the blood of your brother from your hand. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its power. You will be a fugitive wanderer in the land. Cain said to Yahweh, My corruption is too great to bear, since you cast me out today from upon the face of the ground, and I must conceal myself from your presence. I will become a fugitive wanderer in the land, and whoever finds me will kill me. Yahweh said, Therefore, whoever kills Cain will face sevenfold vengeance. Yahweh placed a sign upon Cain so that whoever found him would not strike him. Cain went out from the presence of Yahweh and settled in the land of wandering, Nod, east of Eden. Cain experientially knew his woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Hanoch, dedicated one. Cain became a builder of a city. He called the name of the city Hanoch, like the name of his son. Irad, sequestered, was born to Hanoch. The child of Irad was Mahu Ya'el, wiped away by God, whose child was Matusha'el, depleted by God. The child of Matusha'el was Lemech, foreign power. Lemech took for himself two women. The name of the first was Ada, ornament, and the name of the second, Tzila, shadow. Ada gave birth to Yaval, flowing stream, who was the father of tent-dwelling herdsmen. His brother was Yuval, produce, who was the father of those who wield string and wind instruments. Tila also gave birth to Tuval Cain, flowed from Cain, an artificer of copper and iron. The sister of Tuval Cain was Naama, lovely. 
Lemech said to his women, Ada and Sila, Shema my voice, wives of Lemech, listen to my speech. I killed a man for bruising me and a child for welting me. If the vengeance of Cain was sevenfold, for Lemech it is seventy-sevenfold. Adam, red dirt, experientially knew his woman again, and she gave birth to a son. She called his name Shet, set down, for she said, God has set down for me a seed in the place of Havel, for Cain killed him. To Shet also was born a son, Enosh, mortal man. Profaning, he called on the name of Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading. Of course. All right. So I have, again, broken this up into three sections for those of you listening. And the first section that we're going to look at here is verses 1 through 8 of chapter 4. And this covers the giving of offerings by Cain and Abel, or Cain and Havel. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Close enough. All right. And also Cain's murder of his brother. So the first observation that I have in this section is specifically this phrase, at the boundary of days. Mm-hmm. And it stands out to me because it seems more specific than what I'm used to reading here. Right. And if I, when I looked at the uh, NIV and the ESV, um, they both said in the course of Controversial choices, George. I know. I, uh, <laughs> yes. I'm kidding. Go on. No, I, I wanted to look at something, you know, that standard. a lot of people are familiar with. Sure. Yeah, standard, just to kind of see a comparison. And they went with both the exact same wording, which is not totally uncommon, but I thought unusual. But they both said in the course of time. And that's very broad to me Mm, that Um, kind of sounds like just eventually right yeah at some point in time and it came to pass right um but here it's at the boundary of days yep so the word there is kates which just means boundary and then yamim uh which means days and so there's two possibilities here um which are interrelated and really the same possibility but it's just a different perspective uh, that might make people feel more mm-hmm. comfortable. So it's uh, either just the turning of the month over, right? The boundary of the days as in the first month or whichever month it is, is c- coming to a close. And the text okay. is telling us that this is the beginning of a new month. That would be interesting because true fact, the very first mitzvah, the very first commandment that God gives his people is to celebrate the new month. Right. It's the very, very first one. So that's one one possibility. Another possibility, which is really the same thing, uh, is that the boundary of the days, the way that time is thought of um, in this culture is uh, it's circular just like the Zodiac, right? So it's split up into these different eras, which are ruled by these different planets. And Mm -hmm. there's this whole thing. There's Jewish texts that are like, we're ruled by Saturn, blah, blah, blah. Um, So another possibility that we always edit out of our text is that it's the boundary of eras. So we move from this era that was in the garden, and now we're moving into a different era where violence has happened rather than just straight up, you know, rebellion. This is a new era of right. introducing violence. So, 
Yeah, uh, I think it's significant. Yeah, I, I like both of those ideas. And, you know, one of the things that I like to do is think about the first hearers of this text, which is the people of Israel at right. Sinai. Mm-hmm. And they have just received the law. Right. And the law talks about the uh, boundary of days and the different mm-hmm. holidays. Right. And also, uh, you could also consider this with the second interpretation as a shifting of uh, a right. season, right? right. The, mm-hmm. um, uh, we think about Mount Sinai as kind of like the wedding of God and the nation of Israel, right? right. And they've just come out of Egypt. It's this huge transition. Mm-hmm. So in both those senses, I feel like they would see and hear that mm. when they're listening to this story, mm-hmm. that there is a change. Right. There's something in the air, and now they have a choice to choose between violence or right. nonviolence. Right. And and furthermore, what comes right after that is sacrifice. And we always have this question of why in the world is sacrifice happening so early in the story? Who told them the sacrifice? What's the deal? Right. It just occurs. Which seems random, but for a people who were just told how to sacrifice, Mm -hmm. this might seem more relevant. Right. Um, What's the story of the first one that came up? And um, I see you have highlighted here um, my translation of appeasing gift. Yes. So there is a word for gift, and that's matana, and that means place of giving, right? Something pretty straightforward, makes sense. Um, The word that we usually translate offering is mincha, uh, which has at its middle piece um, noach, right? Which Mm. means comfort, it means to soothe. And so this isn't just a gift to God. This isn't just like the gift of the first fruits or whatever. It is Cain saying, uh, you know what? I don't trust God's character perhaps. And so I believe that he needs to be appeased something Um, Mm. so I think the word there can give us some insight about how the sacrificial system even started right yeah no that's interesting Um, um, and you know in contrast to when I mean Havel's uh, offering is also referenced as an appeasing gift Mm -hmm. but before right at the beginning it's 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 uh, described as from the firstborn of his flock and their fat right again to me, that speaks of uh, the law and how to give sacrifices. Right. Very specific. Right. Um, and if they're doing a comparison in their mind of sacrificial systems, which they would be coming right out of Egypt and trying right. to figure out who's this God that has delivered us. Right. And they have this comparison story of appeasing sacrifices and sacrifice of first fruits, uh, fruits right? Um, I think they would draw a comparison there. Yeah, probably. So this topic that you're looking at um, is in academia called etiology, E-T-I-O-ology. And it's the study of why something is in the text. Um, And Mm. some of us get super annoyed by that because (laughs) it's what happened or it's the narrative, leave Mm. us alone. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, yeah, but why is it right here? And why was it placed there for the people at that time? So that's what that's getting toward. I think um, also Havel 
who we like to think of the good guy, right? Because he's the underdog, but who really knows? Um, sure. <laughs> but he, it to me, it makes sense that he would also join in imagining him being a good guy, that he joined in on the appeasing gift because his brother is a Bechor, right? And the firstborn, huge in this patriarchal culture, who's the force firstborn who's supposed to be carrying mm, the mantle mm -hmm. and setting the culture and setting the legacy uh, which also leads to where on earth in this whole thing are um, Adam and Chava right? <laughs> yeah right they, they, they were mentioned at the beginning as having children and then they're, and and then then they're they gone. disappear yeah right. they should be the ones teaching teaching their kids about uh who god is and what god's character is like right. and um you know maybe why he doesn't need to be appeased um yeah. and maybe this whole thing could have been avoided but right. alas yeah well and something else that sticks in my mind too is you know this there's a, a pattern of brothers in the text mm -hmm. and um if you want to keep drawing a comparison, the two brothers in the text at the time the story is told is Moses and Aaron. Mm -hmm. oh. And Aaron is the head of the priesthood mm. offering the sacrifices, mm. right? This is, if you want to make a comparison, this is Havel in the story. So is this coming up because you're the second born son in your family, George? It is, <laughs> right. So I have an announcement to make. Yes. <laughs> you're the persecuted, but yet so noble. Right. <laughs> yet we everywhere. don't have Moses killing his brother. We don't. Later on. So We don't. No. Okay. But if you stick with this theme of like where on earth is Adam and Chava, which that's one of the ways people talk about the fall, right? Is that Adam had not communicated properly to Chava what the rules right. were. Here we have that again. They're not communicating properly to Cain and Havel, which might... Uh, bring out in the Shema why one mm -hmm. of the main parts of the Shema is teach your children right. when they rise up, when they lie down, when we sit yeah. down at the table, when we're walking on yeah. the way, you tell them. Right. Um, and here we have that also. I've always, not always, but uh, in the past I've read Cain spoke to Havel, his brother, just being him like luring him out in the field where he was going to murder him. But it doesn't say that just as he spoke to him. And then while they were in the field, he rose up and killed him. Um, and it could be that they had an argument. You know, we have no idea sure. what they were talking about. Sure. It, there's plenty of Hebrew words for asked him to come to the field. Yeah. But it's not there. So again, we have an, a stab at communication, which appears to have failed. Yeah. Well, and they're both in the field, which right. um, I tend to picture... Uh, pastures and crop fields as being different locations because you don't want your sheep eating the crops. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, maybe Havel's sheep were in the fields eating all of Cain's <laughs> produce. Maybe, I don't maybe. know. Yeah, but uh, I also think it's interesting given that Cain's uh, name is Purchase, right? Right. And we have in this story him, in a sense, purchasing the favor of God with a sacrifice. Right. He's, his mother passed down to him this transactional mindset from God, right. and he carries on that legacy. Right. For sure. Um, yes. I don't know why it says rose up, by the way. People kill each other all the time in the text, but it usually doesn't say rose up toward and then killed. So I don't know what's yeah, going on Yeah, you know, there. that is interesting. Um, and one of the thoughts I have is that it's also... Like, this is the first time rising up is mentioned. That's true. Right? We have, if you do well, will you not rise? 
will your face not be lifted? Yeah, right. but that's a different word though. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is like the get up in the morning word. Kum. Oh, he just got up and was like, oh, murder. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> I'm here for pancakes and murder. And right. I'm all done with my pancakes. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no. Oh, dear. Um, no. Uh, so, got up toward is also unusual. Yeah. Normally, like, it would just be got up. So Right. Right. I'm not sure. Interesting. Send in your ideas if you have them. Listeners. Yes. Okay. Uh, did you have anything else for this section? No, I do not. Okay. All right. Well, moving forward then to the second section, which is chapter, uh, obviously chapter it's four. It's a new chapter. It's not a new chapter, but it's verses nine through 16. Um, and in this section, we have God confronting Cain and removing him from the presence of Yahweh. Mm, does he? I mean... <laughs> he does. So at the very end, it says, Cain went out from the presence of Yahweh and settled in the land of wandering. Oh, yeah. Okay, right? well, at least in the narrator's opinion. Um, right. Because that's what Cain says. God doesn't say that in his... We're, we're already getting into it. You're just doing the intro. But Cain has a big thing and he says i must conceal myself from your presence and that's not in what god tells him he just um god puts together the cry of the oppressed with the subjugation of the earth which is interesting combo uh and then cain says i must conceal myself from your presence and then the narrator puts that at the end because i mean god's omnipresent george so (laughs) I guess you're just a heretic. Right, right. No, maybe. <laughs> but if again, if you're thinking about the time period in which this story was presented, we have the construction of the tabernacle mm. where the presence of God is. All right, you got me. Okay, all right. So moving forward. <laughs> um, my first thing that I wanted to ask about in this passage was... Uh, we have in God's curse to uh, Cain uh-huh. that the ground will never again give him its power. Mm-hmm. And power, I feel like, is a word that we stray away from quite often in the text because it makes us nervous. Right. Uh, usually this is translated as strength, mm-hmm. um, which has very much a, like, you eat, and so you have the strength to do things yep um so why did you choose power here instead Mm -hmm. of strength yeah uh because there are multiple words for strength um and this is not one of them okay (laughs) Okay. pretty straightforward so it doesn't say strength (laughs) right so koach is 100 percent power um chazak would be strength Mm eyes might be strength um but koach is definitely power so yeah there's an interesting interesting choice there a deliberate choice i would say if it literally says power why translate it strength right um yeah probably because we're you know that's kind of an anthropomorphization um my translation that i have here that's not mine, but somebody else's says it's a yield, right? That's a very interpretive translation that we try to stay away from. Um, yeah, I mean, yield like crop yield. Right, right. So they're they're 
putting the dots together for the listeners, but um, I think that especially in this prologue of Genesis going through Babel until you get to Avraham, there's a lot of personification of the earth and the Mm. violence that's being done against the earth. So this is kind of part of it, right? That um, the earth was forced to receive the blood of the, of Havel, which by the way is against Torah. Um, okay. It's against the slaughtering rules of Torah. You're not allowed to kill something on the ground. You're also, there's a lot of places you're not allowed to kill animals, almost as if we're not supposed to kill them all the time. Um, but so here we have it having power it having a right. personification of, you know, force and ability that won't be allied with right. Cain anymore. Yeah. All right. So going back just a little ways, I wanted to also ask you about uh, the, am I the guardian of my brother? Yeah. So that word guardian is Shamar, uh, which we've talked about, or I oh, guess. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I talked about on the Bema podcast um, and it it's a watchman picture but we use it later for one of our words for commandments and sometimes it gets translated statute sometimes it gets uh translated precept because people are just going wild with their thesauruses however um it's super interesting that one of the ways that god wants to think us to think about his commandments is in reference to um this story in reference to uh, the commandments that we follow are in an attempt to guard and to steward our brethren, right? Our brother or sister and yeah. keep them safe. And that's one of the reasons that we follow Torah or we follow the mitzvot and apply that to Gentiles. You know, we are um, doing that slightly differently, right? But the heart of them is not just willy-nilly doing what God says um, for no reason. It's to guard the life of our brother. Right. And and does that have any connection to just Shema? No. Okay. Nope. Shema with a resh on the end versus Shema with an ayin on the end. Okay, but. right. Okay, that's the distinguishing. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. The there. Okay, great. Interesting. Okay, so um, jumping back again, uh, you have uh, my corruption is too great to bear. And this is when Cain is talking to God uh right after God has told him that he is going to be a fugitive and wanderer in the land. Right. And I think corruption is such an interesting word to have here um, because it gives us a little bit of insight into Cain's mind right? in a way that um, uh, like punishment Mm -hmm. is uh, more of an external force Versus corruption is more talking about like your internal state of being. I've been corrupted. Right, right. Yeah, the word there is aven. um, And sometimes we translate that iniquity, but it's like my twistedness. So something that's supposed to be straight is twisted and he is overwhelmed by that. Right. Well, that's interesting given that, you know, the previous conversation about uh, Cain going out from the presence of, of God. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to take that angle, right. If he already has this corrupted, twisted mindset, which he's in here aware of at least a little bit. Right. Um, that could kind of explain that idea of, of being outside the presence of God. Right. Right. He's, he does not have a clear 
worldview anymore. Right. Uh, well, and I think that's, you know, one of the ways that we talk about sin and what sin does to you. It's not that mm-hmm. you are separated from God, but sin can give you the perspective that you and you are. can cut yourself off unintentionally right. from the presence of God because of that. Right. Right. Which um, I think is interesting about the way that we work with people when, um, when they're in that space, right? Because God doesn't start like slugging it out with them and being like, hold on, did right. I say that you'll have to get out of my presence? Nuh-uh. Um, right. Cain's just like, great, so you're saying that I'm going to die. And God says, yep, whoever kills you, though, you know, I'll avenge you. <laughs> then right, which is like, that, this is like, great, but I'm super, already dead. Super comforting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so instead, and then he places the sign on him so that he won't uh, be killed. You right, know, but he unsaid tell and in secret. Part. Right, yeah. Right. Just yeah. like, great, well, if someone kills you, let me know. Right. Okay, um, so after this occurs, Cain goes out from the presence of God mm-hmm. and settles in the land of wandering. Right. Nod. Nod. And, uh, Nod. That makes sense. Um, and I think that's an interesting uh, set of words, the idea of settling in the land of wandering. Mm-hmm. Settling and wandering are kind of a contrasting juxtaposition. I like that. Yeah. You can also translate, that's the word yeshav. You can also translate it sit. Hmm. He sat down in the land of wandering. Okay. Which, you know, how many of us in the church you know, um, maybe doing some deconstruction, maybe asking questions sometimes yeah. so you can see, feel orphaned and like we're just right. sitting in the land of wandering. Right. Well, and I feel like, again, going back to my theory, the Israelites are doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to wander for 40 years. Like, what is going on, God? Right. We were supposed to be in the Holy Land, in your presence, and here we are wandering around. Right. Um, so... I think there's something there. But not actually out of his presence, right? And that's the, you know, pastoral application there to right. deconstruction peeps. It might feel like you're out of God's presence, but that's what Cain says, not right. what God says. Right. All right. Verse 17 on. I presume that's a new section. Yep. New section, verse 17 through the end. So uh, through verse 26. Um, this is uh, about the descendants. Descendants of. Cain. of uh, Cain, but you know, in a way, the se- descendants of Adam and Eve, because they do come back at the very at end the of end. this section. Yep. Um, Almost like it's a wait a minute, a chiasm? Could be. <laughs> Let somebody else look at that. Right. Uh, okay, so genealogy stuff plus some, right? We yes. Start off with Hanoch. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many names here, uh, and it's super interesting. So we have. Um, these names in the center we have this story not really a story this snippet of this guy Lamech horrifying snippet right Um, and there's just some unusualness here that I wanted to to look at so Mm -hmm. uh, first off um, we have these four names Um, Chanok dedicated one Yep. interesting name to name your kid uh, Cain, 
settling in the land of wanderings like you know what my first kid he's the dedicated one you know i think this is actually pretty in line with kain's character i feel like he might be an enneagram one like he's the one who's trying to do the right thing purchasing some more favor he's you know what i'm gonna do with my firstborn i'm gonna dedicate he's trying to be good man he's trying to do right he's trying to have a good Mm. offering and that's what makes him lose his crap over uh havel is he was the one who had this idea struggling to just be right right and so for him i think dedicated one makes sense because he's not just like an angry murderer you know running around with a leather jacket and a motorcycle he's trying to do well and so naming his kid look okay we're we're a dedicated family and this is what we do um makes sense to me well yeah interesting and there's kind of a line here that is drawn between these descendants like we start with this dedicated one which yeah yeah yeah, going with that it's like oh there's some purpose there but uh irad sequestered like ooh, yeah right like doesn't go uh, is like that's his mindset it's like sequestered i'm the dedicated one but boy am i trapped yeah to be dedicated um the picture behind that is actually a narrow path hmm. so hanukkah like the priesthood the, the, yeah exactly actually um or moses levi so the priests of levi is it's not actually levi it's levi and that means to be bound to something to be fastened to it to be glued mm-hmm. to it and so to be dedicated is to walk a narrow path but if that's not a life-giving path, yeah. right, then it becomes, I'm not... I like that. Yeah, I'm not running this joyful race in my lane. Now yeah. I'm just shut off in this corner. That's super good. And almost a warning, if you think about the priesthood and the sacrificial system and the text and the whole shape mm-hmm. uh, of where that leads is this purpose what are you supposed to be about? Right. Um, dedication for the point of dedication is not always right. not always life giving. Right. So we got we we have the dedicated one. We have the sequestered mm-hmm. guy, Irad, and then we have uh, Mahu Yael. Thank you. Wiped away <laughs> by God. Which man, this is getting dark. Indeed. Um, <laughs> and then it gets worse. In it my depleted opinion. by God. Uh, yeah, which is. I thought wiped away by God would be the the lowest tier, but depleted yeah. is just your this. Your significance is wiped away, and then you're just sucked into the abyss. I right, guess. this emptiness and this blame on God for where you are at. Right, is super yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. um, and it leads us all the way to this guy Lemech. Yeah, so Lemech, um, I translated that foreign power there because um, mm. there it, it's a. We're not 100% sure that that's what it means, but our closest lead that we have is uh, the word in Arabic for power and classical Arabic. And so there is this element that um, this is one of our first foreign names, right? Once we get to the Amalekites and the Ammonites, they have okay. foreign names and stuff. This is our first foreign name. So if you're t- going to talk about etiology, you can talk about, you know, how, oh, maybe this is a you know the narrator characterizing another people group poorly um but either way something to do with power which mirrors the power um from the earth right when we're not receiving our groundedness and broodedness and power from the earth all of a sudden we start trying to grab it from other places and end up in a murder cycle right outside of the garden and outside of the presence right um yeah i like that i just 
uh, want to pause on Lemmick for a second. Um, just a super interesting story. Well, yeah, first polygamist. First polygamist, but not the only polygamist. Nope. Um, he takes two wives, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. The next person that we have doing that is Avraham. Yeah, well, he's also the first bro who says that he took a woman. Hmm. Um, that's the first time, and that becomes the formula for describing Esau. what we imagine to be marriage for the rest of the text. Right. Um, or the Tadach, anyway. But he's the first one, rather than, and he knew his wife to be, uh, and he took a woman. Right. Every time before this, we've had this um, experiential... Right. Knowing and all this other stuff in here just skips that to just, he takes wives and has kids. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Objectifying. Right. And he has uh, four children. Yep. Which I think is interesting. And they each have these interesting descriptive pieces after their names. Right. Which is just their translation. Oh, oh, you mean like what they were doing? What they were doing, right? right. Yeah. And um, Yaval, Yuval, Tuval, Cain, and Naama. Right. And Naama does not. Yes. Which I thought was also interesting. Well, and she's a lady, George. Women don't contribute anything to civilization. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it made me think about the four rivers that exit the garden. Because there's one river going into the garden and it splits into four. And if you look at those four rivers, they all have a little bit of a snippet after them about it. That's true. Except for the very last one. That's true, George. So it's the trash. No idea. Somebody else is going to have to figure that out. (laughs) Email me. I'd be super interested to know. Last thing I wanted to throw in there, Naama, if you want to go hunt down some sweet, sweet Midrash, she uh, is potentially the wife of Noah, and there's a crazy, really cool story hmm. in the Na Comedy Codex about um, her and the Ark, and she uh, she is a powerful figure, let That's, me tell you. That is a wild connection. I mean, yeah, it would be around the right time, I guess, if people are living for forever. I suppose. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Um, I've got one more thing I wanted to look at, and that is we have a return here of Shema. Yes. Where Lemek tells his women to Shema his voice. Yes. And the first time we see this is in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve Shema, God, God, right, and they go and they hide in the tree, right. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting callback. Um, but instead of hearing and obeying God, Lamech is forcing people to hear and obey a human, right? Right, with this crazy, crazy claim too of vengeance. He's like, oh yeah, hey, I'm just gonna go around and kill people that annoy me, and you better watch out because. And like just a complete assumption that because Cain got this thing that he's going to have it too. Right. Um, And also like not understanding what God was really doing for Cain. Right. Totally missed missed the point. Right. Hugely. Also, here's the first retraction in Textinus history. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I believe I said wives of Lamech and it's not wives. It's just women. Hear my voice, women. Uh, but yeah, I killed a child oh, for welting me. Super rude. <laughs> yeah. Super like, unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, very evil. Aren't you a great, powerful, 
bro. Right. Which, I mean, we're leading into Noah. Yep. yep. And here's some insight there. Getting set up for that. Or as Adam and Chava say, we're getting set down for that. Right. Seth reference. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yes, at the very end of this, we have this return of uh, Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava. Hava. Which apparently they know what happened to Havel, by the way. Apparently God must have shown up, shown up and had an awkward briefing. Or um, something, right? Yeah, because they know Havel is dead and what happened and Cain killed him. And apparently they're not going to go and try to find Cain. Which, right. again, another great parenting move. Like, oh, okay, bummer. Yeah, I mean, or like they saw it happen. Adam didn't do anything because we know it's not the first time he's done that. Yeah, not the most. He does not excel in active presence right might have been an enneagram right line. maybe well yeah i don't know that we can quite make that connection oh we might be able to just kidding okay. all right well wonderful y'all send in your wild theories or logical theories so that we can discuss them um we'll probably throw those questions in when we have a genealogy chapter and we have one coming in a bit we do have one coming right up so yeah so send them on in yep thanks for listening this has been the text in us podcast we look forward to our next session on genesis chapter five yes very exciting see y'all later bye